0: You're listening to You Better You Bet, live from Radio Row, getting you ready for the big game with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley.
1: Bring it up, Jake. Tonight, coming up in the final segment of the show, twenty minutes from now, our pal Damon Amendola, Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio. Formerly, uh, I guess he's still our teammate because we're on Sirius XM. But our former Odyssey team. Why are we all just well. one big
0: team, really? We, yeah.
1: uh, well, I mean, like we're on like so many platforms that like most people are our teammates at this point, yeah, which is some, awesome
0: through some connection. Through some connection, Love which is it.
1: which is absolutely great. Um, so we'll get to our bets coming up. The guest list has been amazing today. Who is your favorite guest that we've had on so far?
0: I think it was Brandon Marshall.
1: I actually like strongly agree with that.
0: I got to wear a Super Bowl ring and take a picture. It was pretty cool. I said, did you I sent you the picture. <laughs> it's a good, good picture." Yeah, it's a good picture.
1: Yeah, uh, good. that story that he told at the end was like, yeah. and the way he told it, like, and you've had
0: this happen a bunch, probably right, where you're, you, you know, you're like fishing a little bit when you ask the questions to somebody, especially somebody who does like ten interviews in a row or five interviews in a row. Like, what are they going to give you that they're not going to give everybody else? So you like fish a little bit, and then. Like you know, it doesn't always work. Sometimes he ask questions like, "Eh, the answer is whatever." And, uh, and so I was like, "Yeah, I asked him this question," and it's like he's like, "That just reminded me of a story," and I was like, "Oh, oh yes,
1: but how, <laughs> oh, how, yes. About, how about the uh, the story about when he's wearing a Super Bowl ring, and he, I I don't know who he said was the other person that had a Super Bowl ring. He
0: didn't mention the name of the yeah. other Super Bowl winner, but Andre Reed was. And the it was non- like an
1: Andre Reed who didn't win a Super right. Bowl, and Reed's like, "Yeah, well, I have a Hall of Fame ring."
0: Right, which apparently is like a, a crappy looking ring too, by by Brandon's account.
1: But like that was kind of what a lot of players have said that I've worked with in the past, like, would you rather have make the hall of fame or win a super bowl? And the answer basically unanimously is to make the hall of fame, which is pretty interesting, right? Not win a super bowl, but make the hall of fame.
0: So why do you think that is?
1: Well, I think it's like, like one of the reasons why I think if you're like a fringy player, which I'm not insinuating Brandon is was on the Broncos all decade team, but it's because like it's a money making opportunity for the rest of your life. Like you're branded forever as like Super Bowl champion. Like there think about like locally where you're but Patriots are a little different, because right? they won so many. They got a lot of champions. But like there are like Giants players that won in nineteen ninety. Right, who are still like like Super Bowl champion, like running get. back like Rodney Hampton. and like yeah. Rodney Hampton was a good running back for years for the Giants, but just like like, he'll always be Super Bowl champion Rodney Hampton, for
0: example. Right, you put that in front of his name, it, like, it means something. Right? But if you're a yeah. Hall
1: of Famer, like, you kind of, like, transcend that. Like, you're Hall of Famer. Like, it means more. And your,
0: your peers obviously respect you, like, the most for being a Hall of Famer because it means, like, among them, you were the best. Whereas, like, a you know, a lot of people are going to get a Super Bowl ring that, like, aren't the best because they're the 38th best player on the team of the 40th best player. I'm with you.
1: Alright, so why don't we, uh, want to dive into the old prop sheet unless we got something else cooking here? I think we do a couple other ones, yeah. I feel like I feel like the prop sheet's like a little weaker this year. I feel
0: like it's just like uh, I don't know.
1: I, I here's are we my weaker? What do you think? it is? No, I don't think it's weaker. I think it's that we are enjoying like doing a different type. Like this of is show.
0: A, like this is a bummer. Like it's like a it's like the stuff that would normally be awesome and it's still good. It's like, but I'm not I'm not talking to Super Bowl champion Brandon Marshall yeah, anymore. Like it's just
1: like it's a little different. So right. like I think the prop sheet's still great. Like tomorrow when we're not on Radio Row, we'll still have some great guests on. I yeah. think like the prop sheet will feel amazing again.
0: I agree, and we'll do uh you know we used to do a word market roulette on Thursday we'll do maybe we'll do some of that tomorrow like a lot a lot has happened like hockey's back there's been a ton do of games do you want to hit
1: something and like you and I have spent like time off air talking about this stuff and i think it's our plan to do some of it on the show and then it's just like what like, do you want?
0: You know, like, listen to the show. Well, like, I, I, we've gotten a lot of notes, by the way, that people have loved the show this yeah, week. Yeah,
1: like, like we thought Jerry—we did not know Jerry Ferrara was definitely going to be on today. We thought, like, at some we point— We also thought
0: it would be later in the show if he was going to be on. And
1: so, like, I walk over, Ken and I are, are tape a spot with Maggie Gray and Andrew Perloff, CBS Sports Radio, that will air tomorrow morning on CBS Sports Radio, and we walk over to the set at, like, 54 past, and we're on to the top of the hour, and Jerry Ferrara is standing here. It's like, okay, well, I guess this is how we're starting the show. right. So there it is. is.
0: And and I think and you got something really good out of it. And to be fair, like what were we going to lead with anyway? NBA trade deadline. Like, okay, well, who who better to help us break down the NBA trade deadline than like super Knicks fan Jerry Ferrara? They're the only game that did anything today, basically, besides the Thunder.
1: Uh, all right, so what kind of award takes do you have? Anything, anything in, we, the, uh, in the hopper?
0: I mean, most improved is obviously like the thing that that the most people are going to care about because it's the most vulnerable. And we did it earlier in the show. Like Maxi can't be this price probably. There's no polling, so nobody knows. Nobody even knows that he was ahead. Nobody knows that he's ahead right and, like, now. Should he
1: even still? He's like minus 400 still at BetMGM. Yeah. And, like, most improved player. It started
0: to move. So we had uh, the 50 point game that was last week. His price got bet like not even bet out. Like moved out a lot as a result of that game. And, you know, a lot of people that I talked to were like, I don't know if he's going to win. But, man, that seems like a huge overreaction to literally one game when we're not even sure he was supposed to be the favorite anyway. The problem with this award and, like, solving it is there's always a subjective aspect to it. MVP, usually it's like, all right, like, team success, player success. You combine them. You get, like, a rating. That's that's who wins MVP. Most improved player. It's like, all right, is it is it the best player? And this is what people, like, writers who vote for the award talk about all the time. Is it the best player? Like, Okay, like maybe the level of improvement wasn't as great, but it's like the guy who's the best who improved or it's the guy who improved the most, even if he didn't end up an all star, even if he didn't end up as good as some of the other players. And we never know year to year how voters are going to interpret the award to award that. And so because we never really know which one they're going to pick and we have some historical tendencies, but we don't really know. And every year is different. And we have again, I just want to emphasize this. No one knows what anyone thinks, but
1: can it does has there been any polling to tell us what they think?
0: But like I know <laughs> I know people are probably like, "God, will you just like stop it with the no polling thing? Like do people know how ridiculous like, there was a Greg Washinsky ESPN hockey poll that came out earlier this week. We have a crystal clear idea of who the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth candidates are in every single award market, and there should be no dispute about who those players and coaches are. There should be zero. We should have, like, uniform opinion about who isn't first right now in every hockey award market. McKinnon is ahead. Hellebuck's ahead. You can talk about by how much now, but, like, he's ahead. Tockets ahead. Quinn Hughes is ahead. Like, we, these are facts. They are ahead. Who's ahead for most improved player? Nobody has a freaking clue. Nobody knows. Nobody has any idea. And a guy's minus 600, which is pretty interesting.
1: Ah. Uh- I, I still, I, I like like three guys on that list. Kaminga, Kobe, Kobe White's White. pretty interesting too. And like, yeah. and like, and Sh- Shengun's like the, the best of the yeah, bunch. Yeah, you know, right? the it's actual just,
0: all-star, right? It, but just yeah, like, a, is anyone, is anyone, like,
1: no one cares about him though, which is crazy because he's like, he's like baby Jokic almost. It,
0: it's, this is what I mean. And, where... maybe, and maybe
1: like infant Jokic is better than baby, like maybe a better, a better way to describe they, it, but do do he's call, great. Do they
0: call him baby Jokic? They call him something Jokic. Like, now I can't remember. It's late in the show. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, they do. do. Like, yeah, absolutely do. So you kind of got that right. Uh, Shangun, Kobe White, Kaminga, these are viable candidates, uh, the way I would try to think about it. And, like, I don't have to be right with the conclusion that I draw, but I would be thinking about the award this way for sure, which is, all right, like, 30 games left, 35 games left. Put yourself in position like that, like, in April. How will everyone be playing? What will they have done up to that point? maxi looks great now and he's starting to look a little less great but like he looks like a great player and he's gonna play in the all-star game in 30 games what what is likely to happen down the stretch well if it looks like the first few games with no mb it's not looking great maybe buddy healed solves that maybe he doesn't it's gonna start looking less good every single game how's Kaminga gonna look in the next 30 to 35 games probably better every single game because you know what's gonna happen they're winning now they're gonna be in a playoff spot like warriors get a ton of attention anyway now they're gonna a ton of attention so Kaminga trending up as we get to, like, and recency bias, a huge part of the awards. How's Kobe White going to look, like, good but the same and, like, a tougher player to solve, probably? Shangoon, you don't like that the team's going in the opposite, but they're not going to make the playoffs this year. They probably won't make the play-in tournament now that the Warriors are playing better. Um, It just – you kind of, like, try to read the tea leaves. You project the players out. I think a lot of people are going to like – how about this? I think people are going to like Kaminga even more in 30 games than they do now. Maybe that doesn't mean he wins, but I think it's – you can feel comfortable saying – like, people will have a very strong impression of him later, a uh, stronger one than they do right now.
1: You better, you bet, with Nick and Ken live from Radio Row on this Thursday. All right, buddy, let's crack into the old uh, the old prop sheet here. Yeah, there
0: were, uh, I pulled a couple ones that I thought Because I have to tell
1: you, like, it's we've gotten so caught up in the great guests. Yeah. I think tomorrow, like, when we're giving our Super Bowl bets, it's going to, like, feel real again.
0: Uh, yeah, it's like we're doing a betting show, and, like, this is what we do. NBA has been going pretty well since we've done that. Uh, I get one pick every night. I won won them all.
1: I slammed last night. You
0: you gave out a lot and won a lot. And and, 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 I
1: didn't lose anything, which was awesome.
0: I was just like, oh, you know, I like the Pelicans. I think they have a chance to win. Oh, look at that, which stinks because I was kind of hoping they would lose close. Uh, So we did the total players to record a reception. In this same page, which has some cool stuff on it, what will the highest scoring quarter of the Super Bowl be with all of them listed?
1: Fourth has got to be a favorite, right? The fourth is not the favorite. What's the second? The second is the favorite by a little bit.
0: Second quarter plus 150. Fourth quarter plus 160. Third quarter, five to one. First quarter, six to one. And I'll just preface this by saying, I'm going to guess this is the exact same prices that are dealt in this market every year. So your task here is to essentially be like, okay, is there something unique about how these teams play, when they like to be good, whatever? that would lead you toward uh, toward making a bet on a quarter in this game? Do you have an opinion? I
1: guess it's like just the way I conceptualize the game where I think that the fourth quarter, like the end of this game, is going to get like pretty silly.
0: Right, which is oppo how the Chiefs games are they are They literally almost haven't lost a fourth quarter under. This I just season. think it's yeah. basically
1: like how, like the, how like with all everything that's on the line here, I think that we're going to see a lot of scoring coming up at the end of this game.
0: Makes a lot of sense.
1: All right, yeah, do you want to pop on right now? How about this? I mean, what a guy. Yeah, like what, one, one of my all-time favorites joining us here live on the show, and it's our friend, what's up, DA? What's up, boys? Uh, How you doing, uh, Damon Amendola joins us on the show, um, host of Sirius uh, XM Mad Dog Sports Radio's The DA Show, with my buddy Mike Babshick, yes. who, like I told you earlier, Mike and I were in the same intern class, like, over over 20 years ago, which is insane. You're now uh, a
2: grizzled veteran. I, yeah. yeah. We're, oh, he's grizzled already. Yeah,
1: we're, we're, we're grizzled vets uh, on Twitter <laughs> at Damon Amendola. What's going on, buddy?
2: Everything, man. This is so cool. My entrance into, like, sports fandom was the Super Bowl. I thought that at seven years old, this is the coolest thing ever. I know both you and I grew up in Giants households. Super Bowl twenty I'm eight years old. My dad is out of town on on business. He goes, Dame, I may never see the Giants win a Super Bowl ever again. You have to videotape this. You have to get this on VHS. So it was a huge job of mine. I felt like I would let everybody down, until my dad. So I, I, I watch it. I paused it during commercials so he didn't have to get the commercial. production value. That's good. Yeah, Huge. So. And then I was entranced. I was like, this is so cool. This event is so cool. The pomp, the circumstance. Of course, I didn't know those words at seven years old, eight years old. But I was like, and I rewatched that tape throughout the entire off season." And now every time I get to come to Radio Row or be part of this, it just reminds me of how cool the whole massive event is. And to be part of it is like mind blowing. What's, uh, what's the coolest thing you've done so far this week? Coolest person you've interviewed, somebody you talked to. We had Troy Palomalo on today. And
1: how's his hair?
2: It's nothing anymore. He like doesn't permit, he what? doesn't do wait, he wait, What like, does he look like? He just he just pulls it back and it's like really tight against his head. This so is like
1: the super bad line. Like he's like smacking God in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but he was almost um Deferential to like, thanks for having me. I know I'm not a big deal, and I'm like, what do you mean? He's a Hall of
1: Famer. What do right. you mean? Yeah.
2: And and he thinks that because he doesn't play anymore, he's not important. Oh, we've like we forgotten about him or something. He says like he doesn't possible a, yeah. a head and shoulders commercial with Patrick Mahomes. He's like, I don't even know why Patrick knows who I am. I'm like, you're a Hall of Famer, yeah, what, two time was like, Super Bowl is this, champ, like, like
1: Jack Tatum, like played in the <laughs> '70s. Like I don't understand, or a scrub of yeah, the '70s. I mean, like right. dude, yeah.
2: you you just played. Yeah, you're obviously a massive star and a Hall of Famer. Like. But that humility really informs the type of guy that he was and why he was such a great teammate and why he was such a great player. So when you are around people like that, it tells you so much of the story.
1: Um, We don't have a ton of time left in the segment, and if you got a role, it's okay. But I just want to say this about D.A., and if you have a couple minutes on the other side, we'd love to keep you for a few more. D.A., I think, uh, is a football fan. Kind of the way, like I'm a football. Well, fan. You tell the way he
0: talks about the Super Bowl. And no he question. like
1: he loves NFL history in a way that I I don't think many people do, like you and I do. It's a sickness. Right? It is, but it's yeah. a, it's a great sickness. <laughs> That's a pretty good sickness. What's <laughs> yeah. like what's what's your favorite like NFL moment? It doesn't have to be something you were alive for, but you love this stuff. What's like your favorite NFL like films moment? NFL moments.
2: Well, weather is always a huge factor of my favorite moments. So like things like the Ice Bowl, things like the Freezer Bowl, the 1981 AFC Championship game. Game. The warm-weather Chargers go to Cincinnati Riverfront Stadium. It's like negative 40 windshield. These things are the things that really get my juices flowing. But I'll tell you, one play that I can't let go, I'm not even a Seahawks fan, is when they threw at the goal line to Malcolm Butler, yep. basically. Yeah, I was there. And I just interviewed Golden Tate. And I couldn't help but go there. Did just- you ask
1: him about Russell Wilson or no?
2: Little bit. <laughs> and and Golden Tate was he was not on that 2014 team. Yeah. He had just left for the Lions. And he said, you know wonder why. He said that there was there was a part of him that laughed when they threw the pick, like ha ha ha. And I was like, wow. And I he said they, they were never the same emotionally after that. I said they couldn't trust each other. They could not trust they couldn't trust Pete. They couldn't trust the play calling. They couldn't trust Russ. All of that was like baked into it. And I feel like now we're finally getting those stories. Now they're finally admitting that. Right, a little long after the fact, so enough time has gone by. And yeah. Yes, and that, to me, is perhaps the most defining play in NFL history because it rips apart a potential dynasty in the Seahawks, and it gives, remember, the Patriots their first ring in 10 in years. It's like some credibility. right? Had yeah. they not picked that interception off or picked that pass As off. Three Super Bowl losses for Brady right. since the last Exactly win. right.